0: we're just going to run through some of these um, basic stuff not going to be huge amounts of detail but we think it might be useful for people so um, what does or what could cause people to binge
1: diets as in <clears throat> you're gonna lose weight whatever and you decided whatever whatever is normality or what has been normality for you for x years you decided right i'm gonna change and i'm gonna do keto or something someone that's totally and utterly far removed from what you normally from what your day-to-day life is and something that's extremely difficult to stick to probably in practical long term and It just makes you change everything about your eating. So you go from, I don't know, standard Western diet, quite a bit of junk food, high sugar, low protein, high in fat as well, to medium. Well, it should be moderate protein, high fat, as little as little carbs as possible. And you're not told then what the principle is of you losing the weight you're told keto is the say keto is the best or just is just because not telling you it's you lose weight because of a calorie deficit so you don't understand so when when this method sort of stops working you, you have that piece of bread or you cave and I grab a piece of bread I'm starving or we go to somewhere where you can't control what's going on or you've got to have whatever's given to you then you're like oh not my plan and how often do we see, oh, I'm off the plan. I'm going to be really off the plan. I just ate everything. Mm. So having a diet that is that makes you...
0: Let's just, mean, let's, just, let's just call it like rigid dieting. It's probably the easiest way because I guess like, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be everything that changes, but certainly if, if you have kind of really rigid rules in place, mm. that's definitely one of the kind of, Markers that could have a higher risk then of of causing things like binge eating. So kind of any form of rigid dieting, whether it's I only clean or it's I eat keto or it's intermittent fasting, I only eat whatever times. You know, they they're not necessarily saying that if you do that, it means you've got binge eating disorder or any type of eating disorder. But it does mean that they are a higher risk marker of potentially getting one or developing one.
1: I think. That, and I think the more I think the more effort you've got to put into it. The easier it would be to develop eating. yeah eating. Like I know there's obviously an effort that changes in the way you eat, you know, like cooking different recipes, but like for keto, you're going to have to really think about what you're eating think, it, you are limited and you're very yeah.
0: limited. I think you could almost like rep- say that effort is that, that effort in terms of like how much willpower do you have to put in. Like if you have to literally use willpower all the time to stop yourself eating carbohydrates because they're all the foods you like, but you've obviously settled that I'm going to have this rigid keto diet, then... That's gonna probably be highly predictive of you not sticking to it, and then going into this kind of like, I don't know, natural response to craving, and then just binging. That's basically what 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 happens. Like binges are almost a, a re- guilt restrict cycle. That's how it happens. You restrict, binge, guilt, restrict, binge, guilt. That's how that's kind of how how it works. So, um and that's the, I mean, it's probably worth just touching on that bit in terms of when you break like a rule you've set, you do then tend to blame yourself, and obviously believe that you're a failure. And then, consequently, you go all out and binge on the food you're avoiding because one of the other reasons that um, people tend to to binge. So there's there's kind of three main causes of of a of, of binge eating. Sorry, and obviously rigid dieting is one. Another one is low mood. So if you kind of are rigidly dieting and you're binging and having guilt's causing low mood, you then have this like negative mood mood um, state, which then is also another predictor of binge eating, and you then have to try and avoid it, get out of that. Like we've all basically self-medicated with food. That's basically what you're doing. You're kind of using your favourite foods to then give you immediate pleasure. But obviously the problem is then you then feel worse because you feel guilty and you then have this cycle of binging, if that all makes sense. So they kind of intertwink, intertwink, intertwine or interlink. Um, or you could just say intertwink. They intertwink together. Um, these kind of like rigid dieting and then kind of like these, these shifts in mood states. And like we're... Johnny, I'm sure you've had the same. Like if you have a bad fucking day, you go home and you eat. You know, A lot of people do that. A lot of people rely on food as a coping mechanism to, to kind of mask or um, just distance themselves from the actual problem.
1: 100%. I have, I have found people under see, a decent amount of stress. I find that from people I've met, I've either eat a lot or eat nothing.
0: Mm. yeah oh yeah no, I, I agree i think kind of when it comes specifically to stress i think that is very mixed in terms of some people will just starve themselves and some people will just binge um i don't know if they're exactly the same in terms of what you would call stress and low mood Or i guess obviously they're not completely uh separate either um but just i mean i suppose stress is a mood state isn't it but... Yeah, but i think the
1: low mood is like you say if you've gone on a rigid diet you've gone say two weeks and you've you know, you had a piece of bread on keto, and it's like, well, that's not the end of the world, really, is it? And you think, "God, oh, it, it brings you that low mood, isn't it? Because it's, it's self Yeah,
0: it's like, oh, i failed. It's my fault. i failed. I couldn't avoid that bread. Like, it's a piece of bread, yeah, and I ate it. Oh, my God. It's the worst thing in the world.
1: And you think, man, it's even worse if you're on keto. You're going from zero carbs then, and then you're going to pile in loads of carbs and loads of sugar and loads of salt, and the scale weight will be horrific the next day. You know what mm. You could easily see five, six pounds overnight, and be like, "And then it's worse." Then you're in a low mood again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's the chance of doing it again and yeah. again? And then, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's a cycle. It's a bad cycle to be yeah. in.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the mood the mood state thing can obviously be caused by anything. So it could be you had an argument with your missus or your your boyfriend or your husband or whatever. Or it could be you've had a shit day at work. Or it could be your you know your boss has pissed you off. Or you know even you fell over on the way home or your clothes got wet and you hurt your arm or whatever. You know, it could literally be anything that's just put you in a bad mood. And obviously a lot of people then do use kind of food as this, this medication or this kind of coping mechanism, which to be fair, isn't always bad. Um, but the the problem really, I think comes when you then trying to fix like the problem being you're binging when the problem isn't really your binging. The problem is the that the the binging is is almost an outcome or a side effect. You need to fix the actual problem. So you can use food foods and coping mechanism while you fix the problem. That's fine because so obviously eventually you then will stop binging hopefully because you fix the problem. Um, but the, the issue really is when people think it's the actual food that's the problem. It's not the food is just a symptom or a, a you know an, an output of what your the, the actual issue is. So exactly when I when
1: I, when I, I was. My, light like, dust was in the best show I've ever been in. And boxing, disc get my shoulder. When I come mm. back from the hospital, I was in, like, six hours because they couldn't put a in. Like, home and I'd, I'd left all Chinese.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, okay, what's the point?
0: Yeah, but, I, can't, I can't train, so I train, so well Chinese.
1: Yeah, but then really speaking, really, in reality, you could easily have, you know, maintained a rough weight across the recovery and gone from there. But, yeah, that was, I did it. But I did it once. Right. I knew why I did it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, to be fair, like I, I have this conversation quite regularly with clients around coping mechanisms and people using food and these type of like almost emotional eating, and I, I think they're usually surprised when I kind of almost give the permission to do so, like you know a bit like I said a moment ago, like I give people permission to use it as a coping mechanism if that's what you have to do. I said that's totally fine, but you need to understand that your there is a coping mechanism. It's not the food that's the problem so you therefore you do have to look at what the actual root cause is and fix that because otherwise you will continue to use food and obviously it can then have a negative guilt um binge repeat cycle type thing happening so it is something to be considered but i i also find that when you take those foods off limits that then links in with the first thing we said like if you say people they can do that yeah you can do that or no there are new foods off limits that then starts to break this other rule of rigid dieting you're no longer rigid because actually there isn't a you know you must stick to 1500 calories there isn't you know which is rigid in itself even if people think like flexible dieting and you've got a calorie target well that's still rigid because you've given yourself this completely strict calorie target that you have to stick to so when you tell clients that actually helps the the problem not is that they might seem it's counterintuitive but it generally helps when you give people permission to eat because actually people just decide oh actually i don't need it and it's taking away the magic kind of um deprivation response that you know we see this like last supper response almost sometimes so um we move on to so the third thing so obviously we talked about rigid dieting low mood the third problem which tends to be you know these three key things like one or 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 potentially a mixture of what causes people to be into overvaluing your body. So that's kind of, and again, this is a conversation that I have quite regularly with people, especially because we do sell diet products and people come to us looking for weight loss. Um, it's usually because they basically place too much importance on what they weigh or what they look like. They really overvalue what their body is. So,
1: I think the day and age of social media is, it's more, it's worse than ever, I think, because people are, i have got such a, uh, Mm-hmm. A realistic view of what people look
0: like
1: mm-hmm. you, you look at the average the street they don't look like what you see the average on social media look like I think that drives people's want like uh, f- around you as a phase of view people compete in women and like, like It's like no there's no reason so, yeah but you 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 doing you' not i won't say damage but you're you're gonna have to employ behaviors that May or may not affect you later than the line because yeah. obviously, probably, is an extreme they, sport. Come
0: with, they come with risks, yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, for, for no reason, what's why for what for a photo on your Facebook? Yeah. That's that, what, that's what it really is about.
0: That's probably a whole topic for another podcast, isn't it? In terms yeah. of people's um. What actually are their their kind of true objectives to why competing? because a lot of people compete, like you say, just because either they think they should, you know, they're into bodybuilding, so that's the thing to do, or you know, they get pressured by friends or coaches or whatever. And in reality, if they don't really want to do it, don't put yourself through it because it isn't a nice, pleasant process, or you know, it does come with risks.
1: And that I think that is, I think that's sort of part of over, overvaluing your body. They're doing it so people can see, oh, they are an awesome body, but yeah, but you could be an arsehole all cares
0: what you're, what your body looks like mm. yeah. Up, yeah that's the thing I, obviously someone's self worth and again, I find it amazing how many times I have this conversation with clients um like two at the moment that I can think of specifically that I kind of constantly have these week on week out um where I talk around kind of self worth and like trying to value yourself in by other other features, not about what you look like it's in terms of you know like your friends, your family, what they think of you, the skills you have the um you know, like the talents you have, what you've achieved, all these types of things, and I guess it's difficult when diet culture to a certain extent you know you know we're not we're not like, oh we're not completely anti diet culture like you know you know an anti diet person would be you know like, but I suppose though there are parts of it that we agree with in terms of like it the diet culture itself, if it is a thing um this ideology hasn't had a positive effect on people, and it does then give this kind of feeling of like undervalue or overvaluing what their body is and undervaluing their own self worth and it is a problem so obviously it's something that we do generally have to talk about in terms of our coaching Um, and hashtag ethical coaching you know not just giving people a macro plan Um, anyway so I I, I mean it, it for for benefit of time because we have talked a lot about other stuff this episode, so they're kind of your three main things. And the first point is really for, like establishing what do we think is actually causing you to binge. Is it because you are rigid in your approach in your nutrition, whether it's rigid dieting or just rigid generally? Um, is it low mood? Is it your mood states? Is it that type of thing? Or is it really more this overvaluing your body? And I think the last one is quite a big one in terms of thinking for a lot of people. I think it probably underpins a lot of it. So I guess if you know if you are and overvalue your body, you're they're then employing rigid dieting to try and get a physique that you feel like you you know that you that you should have. Um, so it, I can, I think it probably even underpins those other two almost, and that's that's probably the big one out of three in, in my view. Might be wrong, but um,
1: and you got you get you get people who want to get to a certain weight or condition to make them happy, and it's like and they get there,
0: like, they realize it's like, yeah it's not. How many clients that I get to the, they get to the goal weight and they realize that. But even often before they even get there, they realise that actually I've been doing this for the wrong reasons and now I just quite enjoy being a healthier, health-seeking individual and you know enjoying the process and the habits rather than thinking that I need to be a certain look or a certain weight.
1: But is that is that the society we live in? People want things now rather than actually I'll, I'll sacrifice a, a bit now to have a, to have a better long-term outcome
0: to start i think to start with certainly when you come clients come to coaching a lot of it is that but i think and maybe it is our style of coaching what we do is we try and almost coach people out of that thought process don't mean into just know focus on the process enjoy the habits and i certainly do any with the hope that actually they'll give up on their goal like if someone comes to me and says i want to lose 20 pounds and i want to weigh this by this date like we might start like that but i think over the weeks in terms of how i coach i almost hope and pray that eventually they'll turn around and say to me oh that goal don't mean shit to me anymore I've changed my mind and I'm just enjoying the process and I I like being a health-seeking individual. It's just given me so much more positive things like more energy or more confidence and you know all these other things rather than, oh, I've lost 20 pounds. I mean, don't be you know, it's great when someone shares a transformation post, like a body transformation post where they've gone from you know, like overweight to, to lean or shredded or they look good or whatever. Um, and I suppose even I'm exacerbating diet cards where even saying things like they look good because I probably shouldn't do that. But um, it is really good and it's a, such a big achievement for people because obviously I certainly don't want to um, undermine people's achievements by going, "Oh, your weight loss goal means nothing. That's not important to losing twenty pounds." Because actually, for a lot of people, it's amazing and it is, it's it is a lot for them. It's not for me to say what their goals are, but there is also a part of me that wants to like really promote and say how much more valuable I think like the psychological changes and the kind of the habit based stuff and behavior change in people is far like for me more impressive.
1: One hundred percent. Like we finally had the conversation on the check in. Uh... What was Sarah? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And she said, Oh, so obviously the first week is just monitoring, see, just track everything, what you're doing, what you're stacking, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. See where you go and see what happens over over two weeks now. And she said, Are we going to change much? I said, No, we'll work on a specific area as and when it's needed. So I'd rather that because I said, because obviously changing dramatically, short term is fine, but long term, is there someone you can stick to so having small things that don't interrupt your pattern too much that revolve around how your life works and giving habits to to help you around your personal circumstance is better long term I said I know you might sacrifice pounds in the first few weeks they might not be as fast but long term our goal I said for you for both of us is for you to get to where you want to be comfortably and not have to and not put too much effort in to maintaining how you look.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously one's gonna lead to a far more likely positive outcome in the longer term than the other.
1: You lost five pounds week though. So that's that that's I say that's a good thing as well, because you obviously get the motivation to start to think actually I can
0: You get some buy in, yeah, for sure. and let's be honest, that always happens because you yeah. can you tell people in that uh, that almost Um, assessment period in the first couple of weeks of saying look we don't don't want to change much we just want to start to get a real gauge in terms of what your habits are like now your kind of nutritional intake and all that type of stuff so we can then make adjustments based on what your baseline is but inevitably as soon as people start being I think he said mindful, but kind of aware, probably rather than mindful, aware of what they're eating, which they have to then end up being because they're tracking it. They have to be aware because obviously it gets written down somewhere. And if they're using something like MyFitnessPal for the ease of you know a tracking app, it gives them immediate mm. feedback anyway. So people will adjust what they eat and will start to change things. Like just naturally and just automatically almost it's impossible for someone to do it so when you tell people to kind of do this first couple of weeks it's almost always do people end up losing weight in the first couple of weeks anyway because they just naturally end up eating better than they would have done because they're like oh especially because they are motivated and also they've got the help of a coach they they probably feel like they need to be on best behaviour almost rather than just sticking to their usual habits so
1: yeah I think the surprise when they say just, just do what you're doing don't do anything and we we'll work out as we go along I think oh so I can't have that People, I know a lot of people call it treats now. Like I'm a treat of chocolate can I? Oh. and uh <laughs> yeah, open the door, low, low as fuck.
0: Let's not have a fight on the middle of a podcast. It's just funny. <laughs> it's just funny the way was it Shelley? Yeah, it's just funny the way Shelley says sorry. <laughs> no, I didn't mean. No, I didn't mean the way she said. It. I meant more as in it's just funny how she said sorry. My wife wouldn't have done. <laughs> she
1: knows the boss isn't
0: he Yeah. Fucking, are you in trouble, mate? Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, so it's, yeah. Well,
1: I uh, will mention it because it was part of the update. She said, I had, "Oh, we had. I had a day where I wasn't quite. Um, I had it basically because of the this, 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 this. Oh, I said, "I, I, I weighed the next day because she's weighed in." When I noticed my weight was up, and she know and I said, "Oh, well, last obviously that's the reason because of fat uh, carbs." the food weight and she understood actually then the scale weight is easily movable because of something like that so she now long term associates actually the scale weight is not really that important Mm. and it can be affected negatively by something small by a different higher carb meal or a higher salt meal
0: Yeah. yeah and things like obviously we know that scale weight is indirectly affected by many other things other than the amount of body fat you hold but That's one of those things where it can take multiple 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 conditioning periods in terms of getting people to actually remove that emotion and believe it a lot of people just will even if you tell them they go yeah yeah i get that but they still have the same reaction negative like emotions when they see the scale move even though they know better but that's just obviously human beings being conditioned in a certain way um over long periods of their life and can't get out of it but so okay cool um let's talk about the five steps because these are things that really matter so obviously i guess once you've assessed what you think the problem is um you can then kind of start to to, to put through these five steps and it's really important these five steps go in order um because they do kind of work uh in um order well in order yeah <laughs> they do work they, they they they, yeah they're basically in order it's late come on mate it's late it's late, it's a late on a saturday night There's um so the first step is basically trying to understand yourself so um this is effectively like self-monitoring um and recording all of your things all of the things you do your emotions how you eat all these types of things so you'll often i think if you've if anyone's ever followed anyone that's kind of like a mindfulness practitioner or someone that actually works with um people with um disordered eating or eating disorders one of the first things you'll often see is like taking out a journal and then kind of every time someone has an episode in their quotes um they kind of record their thoughts feelings and behaviors towards like what they ate how they ate um like basically in real time as they occur um so you can kind of like note down like the time what it was they ate you know the place they were how they felt at the time like emotions um was the eating excessive or was it you know just are they? I, you know, the, the idea like oh, I was on keto and I had a slice of bread. You know, it's not excessive, but obviously it was against their food, food rules almost. Um, note down things like were they hungry or not, and then just kind of reflecting on anything else to note that was either before, during, or after. That was kind of might be considered unique or kind of associated to this this episode. And I think like that's a really good place to start. The main thing really is because you, you you'll start to get patterns. I guess you'll start to see things like if you basically start to see that oh yeah I had a binge episode here and you start to notice that you had another binge episode another day here, and it was like every time after you skipped lunch, you might think, fuck, I bet I'm, I, I, maybe I shouldn't start, keep skipping lunch. Maybe I'm just so fucking hungry that I'm just getting to a point where I break and I binge. Or if you start to notice that it's every day on a Thursday, and you happen to have a meeting with your boss on a Thursday, and every day on a Thursday I get home, you binge like when you get home. Again, you can start to see these patterns probably where you think, actually, I can start to see you work out what the trigger is. I think that's really, that's really, really important. Yeah,
1: because if, if you can track it and you know what's going on, you, then you can have you have an idea of what to change. If you don't track it, you, you just think, and it, people's memories are shit today in general, mm. you never know what's caused it, why you did it, what day it was, so yeah. you can never really change it, Can you? but now you've, you've wrote it down, yeah. know exactly when it's happening, why it's happening and because of what.
0: Yeah, I mean, it might be like, you, binge, you just happen to binge most evenings because you're bored in front of the television. And I think a lot of us probably like will know that already and we won't need to do a journal, but obviously the journal just gives you this data point and really fair reflection on it. But I mean, it might just be that. so it's a case of like, once you know that, it's probably not an easy fix, but there's obviously stuff that you can then do to do it. So um, I suppose like moving on to step two then. So um, this is again, like step two is basically about eating regularly. And it's again, something that you'll often see people with um, eating disorders and, and kind of like clinicians will put in place to, to basically try and um, I suppose remove kind of chaotic or unpredictable eating habits because a lot of these things like we've talked about before skipping meals or fasting for long periods um, or um, whatever kind of weird I'm trying to think of some other weird kind of rules but it's usually around just basically not having a a, a structure of eating that Like, if you put someone into a, or or get them, obviously, you know, they've got to follow through this. You can't just tell someone to do it. And obviously, it's not that easy to go, right, you must eat three meals and three snacks per day, no more than four hours apart, regardless of whether you're hungry or not. It is difficult to get someone to do that when they've got these ingrained behaviors potentially of this kind of disordered eating patterns. But if, obviously, you're doing it yourself and you want to commit to this, actually, that's a really good just finding a routine and structure gives kind of some control back. Um, and it just gives you this regular eating. Because what it does, then, it then stops some of these other things that we know do cause binge eating. Therefore, things like skipping meals. Like, you know, they exacerbate hunger. Skipping meals is irregular and it does then cause binge eating where people then just go mad and make up for skipping meals and stuff. Um, or just having short windows and fasting and stuff like that. That These are all things that can have higher risks of, of eating disorders or disorder eating. So just going on a, you know, a, air quotes, regular eating structure does then take a lot of that stuff away immediately. So and it's, and it's something that I, like I pro every single client I have almost in terms of yes we do say and it, and it's sometimes it be a balance in that but sometimes we do say like you need to um, obviously be mindful of hunger and eat to hunger almost to a certain extent and kind of listen to that kind of intuitive hunger signals once they know what that is but mind you obviously there's a lot of. Practice and experience have to come, even even knowing that. But still, um, yes, they do have to kind of be mindful of hunger. But I also tell people like I want a regular routine. I actually want you to eat regularly, and I want to have the structure that you employ every day. I don't want you having breakfast and dinner one day, breakfast and lunch the next. Obviously, there will be occasions where those rules have to be bended slightly because you have social occasions and whatever else that that do it. But for the most part, a regular structured eating will just make things so much easier in terms of your ability to adhere to a healthy healthful diet that makes sense
1: yeah and it's it's like you find there are people who don't like prepare for a week ahead and they're like oh i am going to fool to work now let's just go and grab something go and grab that go and grab that so being yeah definitely having a structure makes things a lot easier because if there's no structure then you just end up picking and grabbing
0: yeah So take take that as an example. That's a really good example because, like, okay, oh, oh, I've got a shift now, and I'm going to be out for nine hours. I haven't planned anything. I'll just I'll grab something when I can, and then you go to your shift, and nine hours later you haven't eaten. You're not going to go and go right. Oh, go get a nice Subway salad now. You go to the staff canteen and get fish and chips and whatever else because you're fucking starving. That type of behaviour, and obviously, that might not seem like a big issue, and it's not really in reality. But I guess you know it might be one of these things that undermining. You having a healthful diet or being a health seeking individual because you're you're not planning ahead, you're not getting yourself in kind of this routine, and you're leaving yourself into a position where willpower alone will not not help or make you do the or make healthy decisions or healthful decisions. Yeah, when
1: well you're starving, your your hormones are telling you you are hungry. Uh, you're
0: you're grabbing a chocolate bar at the vending machine. You're going to yeah. let's say getting a bacon sandwich that's been you know, come around the office that everyone's offering about, or whatever that might be. You're not, you're not going to be thinking, right? What has a high nutrient density, high protein, um, lots of fiber? It's going to keep me full. That's just not what you're going to be thinking of.
1: No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. like so, severely disciplined, and well, that's so why I'm severely disciplined, is if you are
0: I don't know. You can always say if you've got an eating disorder, in that you're very, you yeah, know, almost orthorexic to a certain point or you know like if you're if you have anorexia and you're you no know, anorexia nervosa and you're just basically avoiding all foods um then you might be able to do it but then obviously that's completely counterintuitive to what we're trying to achieve here so um so step three is uh, finding better solutions to your problems so um that's essentially a bit like what i was talking around with kind of the food and coping strategy so obviously at the minute you've got this coping strategy of food and obviously that taking and distracting you from what the you know whatever the problem is these low mood states or whatever the issue is at the moment we're trying to basically distract ourselves with this food um that's what binge eating does it serves that function so if we can find a better solution and again it's something that i i had a conversation with one of my clients i think it was even last week or before exactly this saying about what else can we do that knowing that this is a coping mechanism what is it can we do that might kind of achieve the same coping but doesn't have to be through food just give you i almost put it i'm more positioned as like food's still okay like food is still an okay coping mechanism if that's what you want to do but you know why not just have that as one tool in the toolbox and not the only tool now, um, i said that to her specifically and said right what else can we do is it you know maybe reading a book or calling a friend or you know it could be any literally literally anything that might distract you from that current low mood or reason why you're you're binging at those periods um and i think like phone a friend's i was a good one um or you know a lot of people use exercise which you know can also have a, a negative impact when that becomes too much as well you know overall on exercise and you know that can that can be an issue but literally you can think of as many solutions as possible that might then kind of be this problem and obviously some will have you have to think through those like these implications almost because you know i said about the exercise if you rely on exercise and it becomes that you actually have negative anxiety associated with exercise because you're using it every single time that you're trying to cope with something that might not be the best thing to do so you kind of almost have to think through like or even like i don't know trying to think if watching a television program because at the minute you're Bin, you're, you're binging when you're bored but then television watching a television programme would cause you to sit there and always be more bored or you're sitting there in the house full of like a f- poor food environment with food all around you that again might not be the best solution so you have to kind of pick one what will be a really good positive solution increase the chance rather than decrease the, the, the urge to binge yes, definitely, no, I mean, all, the I mean, all the way around all way around sorry we'll, we'll decrease the urge to binge not increase
1: definitely be person specific wouldn't it and I suppose it also depends on what that on what problem they have? Because some people have got severe issues of the mental health. So I think sometimes, like we said, you know, we're working with other people. Like you may have to work with psychologists. But some people who have got major problems because some people have got major problems, and they fall from the when they were kids, they passed, whatever, and they people do use food for, you know. That, and. <clears throat> So yeah, it's one of those you've got to be careful as well. in the of of how far you take it, but I, I, you, you, people know, you know I'm stressed, so I meet in, it's Like, all right, that's like what a lot of people do. But I meet him because I've had memories of that's something happened. like, oh, right, it's one of those you've got to tre- tread carefully, in it.
0: Oh, there can be yeah. I mean, I guess there's some occasions where like, obviously food is more than acceptable in terms of a a, a function to serve as a coping strategy. Because obviously, you know, like I said, they might be eating. like over- This is why, This, I mean, it, it, slightly, slight tangent, but when people talk about obesity and, oh, people are just lazy and, you know, they need more discipline, it's like that just negates such, the the such nuance there is in terms of why people are overweight. Like people aren't overweight because they're lazy. Like yeah, there will be some people that are lazy, and, you know, they are, they're just, just a generally lazy individual and don't give two hoots about what they eat, fine. But... In, normally, for people that are obese, there is some deep-rooted issues in terms of stuff like this, or whether it's like more to do with social economics things in terms of access to healthful foods. Um, there it could, it, there is, there is so, like food environment. There is so many different reasons to why people are obese, and obviously, when you start to kind of look into this type of stuff, and you realise that why people, you know, overeat for stress as a coping mechanism, say, or you know, emotional things like coping mechanisms, you think to yourself for someone to then say they're overweight because they're lazy is just so ignorant. So so my, ignorant.
1: My my favourite person, Broderick, had a had a good he sort of saying he had, he had a good uh comment when someone asked him about DMP No.
0: So, so the 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 he complete said, resolution to <laughs> obesity
1: That would have everyone's weight loss, yeah.
0: we probably have a lot of deaths. He said, <laughs> from from
1: the from the neck down, we're pretty much all the same and everything's pretty simple. From the neck up it's a shit mess.
0: Yeah. Probably true because obviously the the neck up's the bit that causes the neck down to be a fucking mess sometimes.
1: because yeah. obviously, but, but you know, biologically speaking, we are identical. Really. We be barring you know a few different gene expressions, blah blah. So fundamentally, we are the same from person to person. Obviously, it's yeah. interpersonal variation. But you know, but from the neck up, it is it's a, it, it's so mm-hmm. complex. Flex, and that is what affects the body because like we said before there's nothing new in nutrition like you know from the neck down nutrition is done really to lose weight is fairly straightforward isn't it? but it's how you implement the principles in someone's brain that gives them long-term success doesn't give them issues gets them enjoying what they eating and not relying on food or doing things like for um with stress and there's loads of different shit in it so mm-hmm. that's why obviously that there's gonna be more data kind of the, over the psychology of diet than there ever will be about biology of yeah,
0: it yeah and certainly i think anyone getting into nutrition as a practitioner they'd be better off focusing a lot of their, their stuff more on the psychology of eating and stuff than they would do the the practicalities or the, the kind of like biochemical side of stuff because like i say once you know calorie deficit high protein uh, high fibre you know food quality you start to think mm, yeah there's not really a lot more to it that <laughs> you need that, to know as a, as a practitioner yeah
1: especially when that deals with 99% of it and then you've got your odd nuance bits you in there for specific circumstances yeah, which
0: yeah yeah as got you start like, getting to yeah if you start getting to like clinical nutrition in you know hypothyroidism hyperthy- or uh, PCOS yeah. or I don't know just diabetes and stuff like that then yeah okay things are a little bit more complicated and different, but then you probably wouldn't work with a lot of those people necessarily.
1: If you can get in someone's head, let's say what a 100 clients, and every one of them stops snacking mindlessly, and many of them would lose weight, probably all of them. Mm-hmm. Most people snack at some point in the day, and they grab something mindlessly. If you can get into their head to even make it mindful snacking so they understand why they're snacking, are they really hungry, blah, blah, blah. blah. Even that different, even that will make a substantial difference to to their long term success. Think, and obviously that's psychology.
0: I think um on the snacking thing, so it's okay to snack I think. I mean you look look back at the, the kind of the, the regular eating pattern and obviously as three meals and three snacks. So snacks are fine. It's when those snacks become more grazing all day. So obviously if you've got a planned snack of, you know, three meals where, you know, like oats in the morning, uh, apple and a protein bar at lunch, um, chicken, sorry, oh, sorry, apple and protein bar mid-morning, you know, like a chicken salad sandwich for lunch, um, handful of nuts and a tin of tuna, you know, I'm trying to think something that you would enjoy, uh, <laughs> for your afternoon snack and then like a, you know, normal meal type thing and then, you know, is that three snacks or two snacks, two snacks and then a, then a snack for bed type thing of again, something like a, some smallish but like an actual snack like an orange and a cup cot, yeah. of cottage cheese, I don't know, whatever, fucking Greek yoghurt. Um, that that is a really good regular eating pattern which obviously probably then also the types of foods that i've just mentioned then includes all of the things you would want in terms of high food quality high protein high fiber micronutrient dense all those types of things um that's fine when it then becomes like grazing where you're eating ad hoc whenever however you want that's then the problem of when you know and that's this like can conflate this idea of snacking and grazing because obviously grazing's kind of not particularly good for you for these types of um psychological stuff or really physically really um, whereas like actual routine planned snacks is actually probably good
1: oh yeah definitely planned I always thought of more like the
0: handful, uh, of, handful of biscuits when you get home the mind,
1: little... mindlessness of it yeah mindless yeah. snack yeah, we just grabbing something
0: Pringles and... out of the tub just because they're in the cupboard type thing yeah yeah, yeah
1: psychology is, is massive within nutrition biology and physiology of you know if we know what we fans knows or needs to know to people make people lose weight. but what they can't do is get people lose weight and maintain it.
0: Yeah. So let's move on to step four. Um, step four is fighting the food anxieties. So this, I think, again dovetails into the kind of rigid dieting aspect of it all in terms of being rigid around what you will and won't eat. And I think um, it's it's. Probably a good thing to kind of start to look at the foods that you almost fear or that you have forbidden yourself um and then almost gradually re- introduce them back in so the way to do that uh is to almost um create like a list of like feared foods in in terms of like kind of feared. A bit more feared, really feared. Like if you make a list of like three columns almost, and just put in like those, and then you can start to kind of like on the the kind of kind of fear, like the lowest basically feared ones, and just expose yourself a little bit of those foods. Um, even if it's something simple like I don't know, if you say you say you didn't like, say you're scared of cereal, like you should never eat kiddie cereal or you know Lucky Charms, cut them, they're horrendous for you. Like if that's a a food that you you kind of restrict or so rigid on, and you think it's something that doesn't deserve to be in a diet. It could be a case of like, actually to get over that fear because it is a fear. You know, it's a uh, illogical fear that obviously you shouldn't have consumer because what's it going to do? Like, it's not going to kill you. You're not going to instantly put on weight because you eat it. Um, you're not going to turn like diabetic. You know, whatever those the reason why you think it's a bad food, that is a, you know, kind of categorised as this fear. So it might just be to re- gradually reintroduce it by just sticking a handful on your Greek yoghurt. Say you know, if you have some Greek yoghurt, a little sprinkle of on your that. And obviously you eat it and experience it, and then you know realize after a couple of days the world didn't fucking end. You know, yes. and that, yeah, and that that
1: for your certain foods, me.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like oh fucking no carbs for mobs, sure. Yeah, you know, they get they, you know eat any carbohydrates you get fat. Well, how about you just have a slice of bread and see how you get on?
1: How often do you here? our bread makes you fat? I cut out all bread. Yeah, I've lost weight. There must be bread. Yeah. so no, you've lost weight because you cut out bread, which cuts out calories and this low volume and doesn't tend to fill you yeah. up. Really.
0: Not just, not just you cut out bread either. You cut out four loaves of bread a week. <laughs> you know, so how much bread you're eating, four loaves a week. It's not, you, know, you just cut out like a slice of bread. Um, but yeah, so I guess, I mean, that's obviously one way to just gradually introduce foods. And obviously, yeah, you can then work your way through the list, basically. Once you get comfortable and realize actually, you know, the cereal's okay, you can then move on to the bread or whatever the next thing is until you start to expose yourselves um, to like the most feared foods that you have. Um, and you realise that, yeah, you didn't die or the world didn't end or whatever. Because obviously I think that's really important. Because obviously that then opens up this this rigid mentality and you start to have a far more positive association and relationship with foods. Like it's almost really important. And I, like I, again, I, I hate to keep this back to clients and when I do it, like I sound like Billy Big Bollocks. But obviously we put a lot of time and effort into trying to learn a lot of these things because we're not all about weight loss. We are very much around kind of like this, this kind of idea that I've said around ethical, coaching you know being ethical in terms of making sure we don't basically fuck people up they don't come to us leaving in a worse position than than fucking when they no, they don't leave us sorry when they came, but like in a worse position than they came to us in because we've basically been so rigid in our coaching our protocols that we actually cause some of this stuff we actually want to do the opposite so we do like I, the conversation i had with clients is, is saying like i want you to go away and i want you to eat these foods like they might think it's counterintuitive because i've been trying to teach them like over weeks to kind of have these routines and kind of some of the really helpful choices and promote food quality and all these things that are really positive obviously they know the underpinning of the weight loss is down to the fact that they're just eating less calories they know that um we certainly don't hide any that you know it's not a magic secret but we just obviously realize how important these other habits and stuff are as well um and when i tell them like you know go out and have that pizza like yes it might not mean you lose weight for a day because you've gone out and you've been not been in a deficit that day but I want you to expose yourself to that pizza and that's because I don't want to start encouraging things like food anxieties and kind of like needless restriction because it won't work in the longer term then because what will happen is that we'll just promote these binge eating behaviours and we'll promote these other stuff so when they leave me when they haven't got the support they haven't got the accountability they haven't got the pressure of me as a coach they'll fuck off and lose all their results because they'll go off on their own and then they'll start binging and just doing all the, the stuff that we didn't want them to do so it is really important that as a coach you really understand and and think about the things you tell your clients and how the strategy and how it affects them in the longer term because it will have a, a big problem or big issue
1: so I think what you find is because people in, in the industry want to show that they're the best or so they want to get more clients they, they want the before and after quickly we do it together from year to year quickly and mm. as necessarily is not conducive to then having a good relationship with food in the long term No. But, uh, before
0: and after, and it's just, is... it's definitely not putting the client first. I'll tell you that it's putting you and your business first, trying to get fucking good testimonials or not even good testimonials so but good before and after pictures so you can resell on to the next person. Like they might leave you fucked up, which obviously sadly happens a lot in this industry, but yeah, it's but anyway, so wow, that's a big tangent to go off in it. Um, next, next, we'll be sending out more than my fitness pal screenshots and uh few exercises written down on our notes in our iphone <laughs> that actually happens though that's the thing is like people do will go on instagram they'll hire a coach and they will get sent a screenshot of a my Fitness pal saying eat these foods and they'll have like a fucking program written out on a notes screenshot on their phone saying better row times five fucking chest press times 10 or whatever you know that's and that's like the level of coaching a lot of people are up against
1: are, and, and some of these people are charging a lot of money
0: yeah I was saying they would be charging fucking 150 quid a month for it like just to send an email or something bloody hell you
1: know, often you find people who've, who've, who've got to a certain condition themselves by getting coached by someone who's also shit mm. and they've just oh this works for me it must work it must work for everyone this is you know key door for my body diet it must work for the mother of three who's stressed out every day trying yeah. to get a kid to school that's definitely going to work for her but no it's not
0: <laughs> uh, that, I don't obviously you, you. I'm sure you won't listen, but I listened to the uh, Fitness Unfiltered podcast this week that I regularly listen to, which obviously got our friends on, um, Dan osman and Dr. Mike, uh, the second and Emma Story Gordon, and they had another friend of the show on Dan Mac Fitness on this week to talk about um, like what is online coaching, and they obviously they talked a lot around kind of like some of the poor online coaches out there, and I'll be honest, there was some stuff that I definitely didn't agree with actually. Um so I hope neither them none of them listen to this and think, What the fuck? What is he not agreeing with? Um but they did talk about a lot of this type of stuff, which obviously a lot of it I did resonate with for sure. Um around how some of the poor kind of like client coaching stuff is that's out there and um like a lot of people's coaching isn't client centric and they're just interested in either the money or they're interested in um, like you say, just re- just trying to repeat business, uh, or not repeat business, but trying to obviously turn over clients to obviously maximise as much money as they possibly can, rather than kind of putting clients first. Which is basically what we just not try not to do, because it's not really something so conscious that we try not to do it. But it's more a case if we actually focus in so much on making sure that our clients are centric, to so if they get the best possible service, and that we actually making sure that they are, you know, in doing things in an, in an, or we're doing things in an ethical manner to promote their their health and their goals. Um, that you kind of you know we don't focus on client turnover or we don't focus on when are we get the next client in type of thing which might even be to our detriment sometimes in terms of marketing and stuff we just hope that clients have such a good time with us that word of mouth and referrals you know does does the marketing for us so it's, it's, it is it is
1: the best marketing, really isn't
0: it i think it is, so i think and so and
1: if you and if you look at that, that, that book i mentioned the other day that tanya has got he has a thing in there about a woman who likes soap she was he talks about the soap. that is one of the other big ones. Marks and Rebellion is that that book? Yeah, yeah. they spent X millions over the last hundred years on the biggest brand in the world for soap. Blah well, blah, they do the marketing and all of that, and he ends up going to his, his mate's house and she's got a soap bar that's like ten times the price, and he's like, "Well, what about his then? Oh well." I like the person who's, who's selling it. She's told stories about this. She's, she's ethical. She does things in the community, blah, blah. blah No marketing to none. i got ad blockers. I don't have Facebook ads and I'm nothing. So she bought with no marketing solely because she bought to the person she liked. Hmm. And, and I'm Not that I'm a marketing expert, clearly not. Or we'd be millionaires probably. But it does show that if you don't care, and you just probably you will get found out eventually.
0: I think so. Yeah, I think and I then, think all well, these people do.
1: But like saying, Trish, not People want the short-term results and to sacrifice the long-term rather than waiting and getting the long-term results. If you had fifteen clients, say, do three years at a time, then clearly you're, you're doing it, or not want once over three years because you'd be all people taught them quicker than that. But if they want, if they want to because they enjoy working with you and you're accountable, which people do is you want that accountability, you need to, to stick to it. Mm-hmm. When then you're happy, rather than having like ten new clients a month, it's like, well, bloody hell, I've lost five, I've gained ten. It's like, well, why am I losing five?
0: Yeah, yeah. Right, let's move on to step five, which is. Um, so I think we've covered that. we fighting food anxieties and just how to kind of expose yourself gradually. I mean, the, like I said, the idea is that the fear eventually disappears and obviously therefore so we your urge to to binge on that food because obviously you've you've removed this kind of uh pedestal almost that this not the pedestal is the right word i suppose so it could be for some foods maybe the fear of eating it is because you'll you'll eat all of it so you restrict it needlessly but ends up binging that obviously means that that might disappear um but yeah anyway uh, step five discovering a new passion now i like this step um obviously it's kind of like the last step of the of the the solutions for whatever phrase i suppose or this i don't know we call this this protocol or this kind of solution um but it's about basically um it it link it links in with the idea of this your overvaluation of weight and shape so we kind of we talked around like people's opinions of themselves and how much they rely their own self-worth on to or relate their own self-worth of their weight and their shape um and i think like the discovery new passion thing aligns with like if you were to almost um create a little pie chart of like what matters or what your self-worth is like person a might have um like a massive section in terms of like their weight and their shape a little bit about their family a little bit about maybe oh they're good at football or their hobby or whatever um and obviously it just shows you how much importance they put on this kind of overvaluation of weight and shape so um if you can then start to think, well, actually take the focus away from that and discover a new passion, so you can identify something that you're really interested in. So like me, say like all of a sudden, say like I suddenly discovered a coffee and I really got into it and I started like doing stuff with coffee every day, like making coffee, learning about coffee, learning about the beans, the water, you know, the different extraction methods, all this type of stuff. Um, that then gets added into my little pie chart. And if you notice, if you add stuff in, the rest, of it, like the bit that I had allocated to like weight and shape, gets smaller because obviously I'm all of a sudden relating other parts of me in terms of my passion and stuff on coffee. So that's like if you can do like one or two things and make a really conscious effort to engage in these activities like every day. And, kind of, and it obviously, it has to be a passion. You, you can't just be like, "Oh, I'll pick walking." I don't really like walking, so I just go out and walk. That obviously isn't going to do the job. You need to obviously find something that you are really passionate about. But that will. Um, I guess you like basically what it means you'll have created other ways to almost like evaluate and assess your um kind of like uh success, for a better phrase. You know, your your valuation of your own worth. You do that obviously but you've you've by doing it obviously always new things, you're simultaneously then reducing the importance of the actual weight and shape one, which is the important part. So and I quite I really like that, because I think it does really obviously work and it does again like if, if you get good at so so say so you take up like, you know, get into coffee say and all of a sudden like i became like a fucking barista champion like barista world champion 2021 right um all of a sudden i've got this this other self-worth of like fuck me i'm really good at making coffee and all of a sudden i don't really think about the fact that i used to feel overweight and out of shape and that used to really get me down and i used to hate like feel unconfident all that type of stuff does that make sense
1: yeah but i think you've also got to think of if you've got more hobbies and more things you enjoy you're taking Less time to think about food as well, as in you're not food focused all the time because you yeah. try to gain X, lose weight, or blah blah blah. You've got oh, I've got this thing to do with the car machine, blah blah blah. I got this thing to do with whatever else. Yeah, learn, like with the resources we got now, you can literally learn anything you want. Spanish, anything.
0: And hey, you might, gringo. Yeah, I think i must think you
1: you could have, this stuff could be out there that you don't know you enjoy that you could be amazing at. You just haven't found it. Imagine finding that one or two things you're really good at mm-hmm. and you really love, and that would take up, you know, forty percent more of your time. How mm-hmm. much would not be directed to food, and even as a consequence. And if your goal was to lose weight, you would, you, you know, it might, well, you know, it would probably happen more naturally because you're doing other things you're not focused on.
0: Well, yeah, that's 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 quite a cool point in that, like the. fact that you like obviously like have an empty day almost in terms of like like if you don't have obviously any passions you might be solely focused on food all the time that might then exacerbate these issues with your own body and self-worth because you're constantly thinking about food you're then not being able to stick to diets and all this type of stuff um like you say if you then kind of cut this new passion in and all of a sudden you're not thinking about food all the time you might have then start to have like less focus on food like a better structure better relationship with food you might actually then get the results that you want anyway just by kind of almost proxy of the fact that you've you, you've just t- taken away this kind of importance of what you eat and how you do all that stuff and it just then relieves all the stress and pressure and you're just then kind of in a more natural way of doing stuff. Um, it's a bit airy-fairy the way I suppose I've just said that, but you know, it could be could be something that does happen.
1: Yeah, 100%. Finding something you loved, people love to read, you not And you can spend hours reading if you wanted to, if it's a book you really loved.
0: I've got, look at my bookshop going, I've got so many books there that I've not even started. You can't see it, I know, because the Hopefully. camera's blurred out, but I've got so many I, books on
1: there. I go a Kindle Oasis so and I do like, I got stuff on there, like not just nutrition, but other, other different things I'm, that I in, I'm interested in, and it does make a difference as so. well. Not just having one subject to look, listen to, mm-hmm. uh,
0: listen to, read about. Yeah, I think that's why the likes of, um, like joe rogan and who's the uh what's his name chris wilkins the the uk guy modern experience i think is what's yeah i think it's podcast modern experience i think that's why they're so popular because they have such differing topics all the time they just make them more interested rather than being like a nutrition podcast all the time say or a whatever podcast they obviously have different guests on to talk about the randomest shit like i know obviously uh Joe Rogan obviously has, like, random stuff about politics or sciences or, you know, like, cars and just all different topics all the time. Chris has, like, fucking porn stars on one day and then, like, a um, philanthropist or, a, you know, wh- whatever the next, like, someone completely different in the opposite end of the spectrum. It's not that you can't be a porn star and a philanthropist because, obviously, you can, clearly. Probably a lot of porn stars probably are ph- philanthropists as well. Probably do a lot for communities and soci- <laughs> societies. Yeah, they do, bet yeah. they, they do. We fucking dirty bastard. Um... But I no, was just saying it's interesting, obviously, like it does does keep people obviously hooked or uh, stimulated, for want of a better phrase, with just kind of different variety. In the same way, variety of food keep people stimulated and hunger stimulated, but that's, again, a topic for another day. So, um, there are your five steps. I'll just run, recap over them again. Uh, in fact, let's do the whole lot of recapping again. So, obviously, in terms of like what's causing a binge, usually rigid dieting, low moods, or overvaluing your body. Um, and obviously the five steps to try and help with that is to understand yourself in terms of doing some self-monitoring, um, time, time to eat regularly and getting a regular eating pattern of three meals, three snacks per day, no more than four hours apart, regardless of whether you're hungry or not. Uh, finding better solutions to your problems, so specify the problem and think of as many solutions as possible, and then think through what the implications are and pick one. Fight your food anxieties by introducing feared foods or forbidden foods back into your diet over time. and then could try discovering a new passion to take away the focus on this uh, valuation of weight and shape. So there are a few bonus things that Jake talks about. If um, Jake Lillard obviously referenced at the start, into, that might also help. So uh, he's, and I won't go through these in any detail. I'll just kind of list them out. If you want to touch on any, Johnny, that you think's important, then by all means do it. But um, invest in learning mindfulness. Um, I said I wouldn't touch on it, but actually I do think that's a really important one. Like being mindful in how you eat, mindful in what you do, Mindful, generally, I think, is really important just to kind of get you through. I know that's why things like meditation are so important, and things like Headspace and Thrive and all these new apps have become so, and so popular because so I think actually do generally help people being more mindful. Um, structure your days, modify your social media. Johnny, you've already touched on that once, to kind of in terms of um, expectations and comparing yourself on social media. People, I suppose, modifying it is a step of that. Like either by following the right people or just getting off it, especially Instagram. Especially Instagram. I would say especially Twitter. Less yeah. so much I'd say less so much for the comparison, more just for the sheer vile cesspit it is. But...
1: Yeah. I find Instagram is very much it's fake and it's like do I eat the hashtag or live my best like like shut up. Mm. You're not live so of social yeah. media donut.
0: The problem is, it's a picture-based social media platform, so yeah. that will immediately drive certain behaviors, and people want to put their best pictures on and shit. And but
1: that's I why I don't do it deliberately. Go instead and put the shittiest picture I can find up. Yeah, I've noticed that. Mm. <laughs> that. Instagram, like, no, enough of the shit already. I, but I do find it's gone better for like, there's no long posts about COVID and vaccines, and
0: well, there are uh, some. There are some, but yeah. yeah.
1: I don't see it and experience theories whereas well, well, in Facebook or Twitter it's just full of absolute drivel about it.
0: Yeah. That's like the thing about
1: Instagram I find. It's a bit fake. It is very fake with the pictures but it's it's pretty it's pretty good in terms of that you don't get so many hardcore posts about crap.
0: Yeah. Uh, other things you can do weigh up the pros and cons of changing. Focus on body functionality. So I guess that is more just focus on what your body can do rather than worrying about what it looks like um, which I suppose is like a common um, practice that we you know we would probably promote or, or kind of a lot of coaches might promote in terms of when people are showing issues with their their body into whether they do lots of body checking or whether they just kind of have negative associations with things like scale weight and stuff sometimes just kind of say look if you focus on how positive like the fact that you can move you can run you can jump you're strong all of these types of things that body functionality is like really like just takes away and puts into some perspective about those feelings it doesn't work all the time it's not perfect but it's certainly something that i think can help
1: Microphone. Focus on the process of doing of, of weight loss rather than weight loss itself will eventually lead to the weight loss anyway. But mm. put in habits and you're enjoying the process of its intrinsic value rather than extrins, extrins, mm-hmm. extrinsic mm-hmm. value, which you generally find gets people to where they want to be. Yeah, for but sure. not the way thought.
0: Mm. And lastly, limit alcohol consumption. I don't really know. I mean, I guess it comes down to things like mood states and alcohol promoting yeah. binge eating behaviours because of mood states or lowering inhibitions and all those types of things. Um, I, I can't make you feel like shit. That's why I don't drink. Well, it is depressant, isn't it? But uh, not mentally, physically. Yeah, well, I'm saying is it's a it's a depressant in terms of like obviously mentally and physically. They're completely intertwined, aren't they? They're not, you know, necessarily one or the other. Um, uh, yeah. I mean obviously we neither of us really drink do we so you less even less so than me but you know I might have drink twice a year usually. So
1: yeah, Christmas Day normally. Yeah. <sighs> yeah.
0: That's it. So um hopefully people have found that useful. Um I I know a lot of people will probably resonate with some of this stuff whether they believe they have a binge eating disorder or whether they have some or they they have some episodes of binge eating i don't think it really matters i do think a lot of people might kind of relate to some of the stuff we've said and think hopefully that i might try some of those things out um you might feel silly doing things like the journaling but please 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 it's really important like the journaling is a really important thing like you might think oh i'd have to write that down or whatever else but actually if you don't do it you won't do it properly so i think obviously if you are going to do this then then do it properly Food. um yeah, I think that's um good episode. I enjoyed that I said yeah. i think I think one thing i do i I like talking talk about it, so I do think for anyone listening that is semi interested in kind of any coaching at any point in their lifetimes, not necessarily with us or or you know specifically whatever, but might give them a bit of an insight in terms of like the depth of coaching that or the depth of what good coaching should look like, and I you know wrap blind around Trump, I do think we're good coaches. Um I think obviously some things we talked about in like the even these types of things and how they're often kind of almost woven into our coaching without being specifically we're going to treat a binge eating disorder this week type thing. you know we weave these things in as just kind of general practice, and I think a lot of people wouldn't even necessarily know that we're the reasons as to why we're asking them to do these things unless obviously we, we have to sit down and explain you know even like you know asking for a structured um eating pattern say. You know, there, there are reasons why we're doing that, and you know, we've talked about those today. But I think it's like a really important thing for this kind of idea to make sure people have these longer term positive relationships with food and you know, positive, happier lives.
1: Yeah, because if if you do like like we do, you do a two week, almost like an inspection sort of thing. You, are, you just do what you do for two weeks, track everything you consume, uh, track your weight, less you have a good idea of like how you know, right. Their lifestyle dictates they don't eat breakfast at 11 because of they take the kids to school and they do other bits, or they eat first thing morning for the kids to get up and they eat regularly for the day, or they fast, or they they gravitate towards this type of way of eating or this type of macronutrient, and you can build uh, a plan based on what their lifestyle is already. So you don't you don't give them too much decision fatigue because they're already in the routine of their life. You just you Know prodding them in the right direction and giving them actionable ideas that they can change that doesn't dramatically change how they are day to day,
0: yeah. That's the, that's that's the key bit, isn't it? Like, you, you're not dramatically changing what they're currently doing to therefore make it more difficult for them to stick to, um, needlessly, probably as well. Um, I suppose it's just quantifying, obviously, when I'm talking about things like regular eating patterns, yes, obviously, in terms of a um. Uh, a an almost a, a clinical solution for someone with a binge eating disorder 3 meals 3 snacks per day four hours apart blah 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 is important for when you're talking about someone that is not that doesn't have any signs or kind of um issues with things like either disorder eating or binge eating behaviors then you know that can be flexed like johnny just said like if they if someone doesn't eat breakfast we're not going to suddenly force them to no. you must have three meals and three snacks per day that is how it goes that's that's not what we're saying what we are saying is that for for, if a, a structure of some sort definitely helps and it will help even prevent potentially kind of higher risks of disordered eating so but that structure doesn't necessarily have to be three meals and three snacks per se like for an individual if we know that they just generally get on better because they just don't ever want breakfast then by forcing them to have breakfast it would have more of a negative outcome then we wouldn't be saying have breakfast because you must have three meals a day we'd say actually no that's fine Um, and that's where the coaching comes in in terms of kind of knowing understanding the client and then amalgamating your own ideas and approaches with theirs to get up with the best um get the best result for, for them rather than kind of what you feel is the best ideal or ideology I
1: think for people listening listening to what you just said you should understand that if anybody pushes one a method of dieting you realise how ridiculous that is by saying this diet fits everyone You, if they say that you must go I will never ever listen to him again
0: unless it's ketones
1: unless it's ketones unless which is magic everything. that's fine but it's like we could easily, you could, we could easily form a way of eating that the clients is do for three to four weeks and get a dramatic scale of weight loss, like ten, twelve pounds, even a stone, depending on you that, and go, oh, look at this before and after in four weeks. Mm-hmm. That, and that's what happens a lot, isn't it? That is that happens all the time, and it's like, well, actually, that doesn't really serve the client, it, you know. It, it can work in certain circumstances, depending where in the journey the client is, because there, is, there are reasons for quick weight loss start and then slower afterwards. But how often do you see like this just get ten weeks in, lose mm-hmm. as much as possible, take them before and after, and that's it? Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, and they've developed bad with food. They eat breakfast when they don't naturally eat. They the, there's too much decisions to be made day to day and you know you know, eventually they're going to fall off and go back to what they normally do and that's just not the point of coaching. The point of coaching is ideally to go right, to spend X amount of time, some people are quicker than others at grasping and implementing their life and then be able to go right, you know, in a year from now you know of to deal with most scenarios, you can maintain a healthy weight that you're happy with without much
0: thought. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, to be fair, like the coaching is iteration, isn't it? It's, it's like the post I put out during back in the last week. Comparing it to my coffee machine and learning how to make coffee um, on our on our non nutrition uh, Instagram it is exactly that. You kind of try things based on kind of your current eating habits, and you just change small tweaks. See how they'll go and you you repeat and you make more tweaks until they get better. And then you repeat and you make more tweaks and you get better. And it's basically that constant process of iteration. That's what coaching is. And that's kind of what you've just described there. So um speaking of Instagram, Johnny, you're up to fifty eight followers now. So hitting the high flying influencer style uh or, or lifestyle that you will be living soon. Let's try and get you some more. Um N and N, Johnny or Johnny N and N. N and N. Johnny, isn't it? Hang on, I gotta look Oh, fucking hell i'll go look along. it up N johnny johnny j-o-n-n-y no h before anyone starts h. shoving Hello. that in um please let's like if you're listening on your phone which most of you probably are if you are listening please get your instagram out now and just go following please um yeah. like don't don't wait just do it as now we're speaking we'll wait yeah
1: no I, w- I want to yeah, see literally it. now
0: we'll just wait here in silence for a little while until no yeah. um <laughs> just go like him like him go like some of his posts and just re- you can like him if you want uh and just follow him please and let's get him up to see if we can get him to three figures a hundred would be lovely um that would be nice uh, surely the amount of listeners we have that's easily doable so uh, please 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 um go and do that uh obviously if anyone wants to reach out for coaching still some spaces available um not five like every other fit pro you know, <coughs> five we're looking for five why five why is it always five looking for five people that want to burn body fat and get chat. <laughs> um
1: yeah uh it's never a particular number if we, we get to a number where we both feel comfortable at the go right the quality after this in terms of time would degrade if i get x more clients yeah, yeah.
0: Well, to to be honest, mate, I'm there already, aren't I? I think. I think in terms of my numbers, I'm at my own and obviously our own circumstances are different, so capacity is always obviously, obviously always different as well. But um if anyone wants coaching by me, tough titties probably because uh, I'm probably gonna say no. I know it's harsh, isn't it? Um but although it might change soon, I've got a couple of my clients I know will be they're they're already in a really good position to kind of go off on their own, I think. I've got confidence and they just probably need the confidence in themselves. So I might have a couple of spaces opening up soon. Um, if they decide they want to go off and do their thing um, which to be fair is our goal so hopefully they will um, and obviously give me the opportunity to, to help some more people So, um, but yeah Johnny you've got some space so if anyone does want coaching please reach out
1: probably got two or three Depend. not the same time because that's, that's, that's a lot of hours yeah out. yeah, you mean five that's
0: what you mean mm, five. Five. <laughs> it's always five Johnny five. it's always five come on it's either five, five. or none So it's either, it's either waiting list or five go on my waiting list or I've got five spaces I've got five spaces I'm not fucking hell anyway <laughs> um, on that note I think we can just say sayonara
1: yeah I think that's uh, yeah. hour 52 it's a, it's a long one
0: yeah this will definitely be split into two I think we'll do a, a one parter and a two parter
1: boxy narcos uh, binge eating mindfulness
0: <laughs> yeah actually it just reminded me so, features-wise, we're obviously going to have to have What's in Brett's Grinder. We're going to have Dad Joke of the Week. Stupid things on the internet this week. And maybe we should have a... what? What, what is Johnny B and Boonda watching? What's Johnny B and Binge watching.
1: Oh, um, I don't want to say binge watching. But Charlie watches This Is Us. You know? It's... No. it's, 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 it's uh, just follows a couple of kids and it sounds really airy fairy bullshit, but it's pretty good actually. Oh, it's about real the things that happen in real life, so it's quite good. Like,
0: mm,
1: okay, but he, if you look at him and think, it's probably the best. he's probably the best father you can ever, they can ever be, like a uh, man.
0: <sighs> What's um, what what networks it on? How can people view this? Uh, oh, you're gonna say you've done it legally, so you don't know what a. F- no, hang on. Oh, I think- oh, 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 oh! oh I, I, I've forgotten. Oh. Prime
1: night It's not legal. Prime. It's on Prime night right. Good. Just right. don't just, just Google list us and it'll tell you what it's on. Right. Okay, good. But right. it's, it's better than I thought.
0: Good. Okay. Hopefully people enjoy that. Um, what are you watching. Well, my, what am I watching? Yeah. Thought we established that, Narcos no, Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I about that. Yeah. I'm uh, six episodes into season two, I think. And I think there's only two seasons, so I've probably only got a few more left and that'll be done. I might move on to El Chapo after that. 'Cause obviously that's another series that's probably worth watching. I like the uh, drug l- lord stuff. Especially I like the well, I say true, relatively true nature of it. Obviously it's all embellished, isn't it, and stuff. But I do like the fact that, what I like about narcos is how they like intertwine the real footage from like news and stuff yeah, like that yeah. into the, the show. So um kind of shows you really what it's like. Especially some of the characters. You think, know, oh, they do really look like that character actually. It's picked a good actor. So Yeah,
1: that's good that is, I do like that. Yeah.
0: Okay. I need a pool. Okay, go go have one. Hope you enjoy that. I will. Right. What what a way to end, a, end an episode. I don't think we've done a more abrupt episode than Johnny Needing a poo, have we? No. No. Right, enjoy. Thank you for listening to the NNN podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week.